So we start a brand new sermon series this month on the Lord's Prayer, and um, I'm reading a really good book. It's called The Lord's Prayer, and it's actually written by Adam Hamilton. It's got some really great information, and so I'm going to refer to this over the next few weeks, a little bit about history and a little bit about what I call exegesis as I do my detective work, and just really hope that we all can learn something new about the Lord's Prayer as I have a chance to preach over it, teach over it, and um, maybe just uh, maybe allow these words to once again kind of seek into our souls. So let's just begin by, um, let me read, uh, you, uh, you saw the little introduction, and actually there are two places, that, only two places we find in the Gospels where Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. We find one in the Gospel of Matthew, and we find one in the Gospel of Luke. And what we saw just a few minutes ago the, in Luke, we find the disciples come to Jesus saying, uh, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? Which is normal, because in, in the ancient tradition, upon a, if you were fallen a rabbi, a rabbi would teach his disciples or his followers how to pray. So when the, when the disciples come to Jesus and ask him how to pray, this is uh, typical of first century AD. And of course, and then in Matthew, we find the Lord's Prayer uh, a little bit, the writing is a little closer to what we use and what Ryan just sang. By the way, didn't Ryan do a fabulous job this morning singing the Lord's Prayer? Amazing, amazing. Not only can he play the violin, uh, he, we are so talented uh, have so many great talented people in our church. And so um, in Matthew, we have in the sixth chapter, and you know, if you know about the gospel of Matthew, you know, where is the Lord's Prayer? It comes in the Sermon on the Mount. And so let me just read uh, a little bit from the, from the Matthew's version about the Lord's Prayer. So this is what Jesus has to say about the Lord's Prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and the street corners so that they may be seen by others. And then truly, I tell you, they will have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will, will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, you know, I love quotes. And so uh, I knew I was going to be preaching on the Lord's Prayer uh, this week and the next couple of weeks. And so I found a, a really, actually a couple, this is a little bit on the lighter side. So um, this came from Les Dawson. I knew I'd chosen the wrong airlines when I noticed on the sick bag that the Lord's Prayer was printed on it. And I thought that was actually pretty good. And then here on a little bit more serious note, this came from Henry Nouwen, who's just one of, one of the greatest uh, Christian writers of the modern era. He said, prayer is standing in the presence of God with the mind and the heart that is at the point of our being where there are no divisions or distinctions and where we are totally one. There God's spirit dwells and there is the great encounter takes place. Their heart speaks to the heart because there we stand before the face of the Lord all seen with us. 
I asked my son Cameron to, uh, I said, Cameron, I'm going to be preaching on the, on the Lord's Prayer. And I said, can you maybe just write, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit about the Lord's Prayer? And, you know, Cameron's just kind of an old soul. He's only, he just turned 22, but he's been writing since he was about 12. And so he, this is what he wrote um, for us about the Lord's Prayer. He says, you know, um, let's begin in prayer. Our Father, which art in nature, sees to we who suffer this hallowed be our name. Thy kingsmen come, thy will of the angels be done in nature as it shall be in heaven. Anoint us this bath, our daily path, and forgive us our solemn behavior as we forgive our neighbors, hue and sin improper, and lead us not into avoidance, but deliver us to self-acceptance. Find thine is the beset pendulum, the motion to a cycle made an infantum, and still the glory to be forever and evermore. Amen. He's a deep little soul, and he just turned 22. He loves to write. You know, I was thinking about this this last week, about the Lord's Prayer and what the Lord's Prayer means to me, prayer. And I was thinking about my grandmother, God bless her, Hattie Lee Hendren. Uh, Hattie Lee um, was uh, very devout, um, raised as a Nazarene. She was not highly educated. Um, I think she only got about eighth grade education. She gave birth to four children. One of them was my father. Actually, they were all born and raised on a farm. They actually, all four of her children were actually born in the farmhouse but very devout in her faith. And um, um, one of the things that I remember about my grandmother, she thought everybody should be a, a, well, she told me I was gonna be a preacher. Of course, she thought everybody should be a preacher. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. <clears throat> and so um, I remember going to my grandmother's house and um, I remember this, you know, it was an old house in Richmond, Kentucky. And I remember the, the sights and the smells, and you all can remember, maybe going into your grandmother's house. It was old, antique-y. Um, it smelled like mothballs um, and, and stale cigar smoke, because my Papa Taylor, who lived there also, her father, um, who lived to be in his 90s, uh, loved to smoke cigars. I remember the stale smoke, cigar smoke in that house. But I also remember this picture, and you all might remember this picture. Actually, I shared this with you about four or five years ago. It's the old man praying. That that's actually came from a photograph that was painted when it, the photograph was taken and put into a painting. And I just remember that photo or that painting being in my grandmother's house. It was actually, um, uh, it was the painting or the picture was depicting what was going on during World War One, and how there was so much of a, well, a simple way of life. So you have this old man praying over just a loaf, a simple loaf of bread and a bowl of soup. And there was a book with some, well, there was some uh, glasses on top of it. And then I sorry, I remember, so I remember that. And I remember um, another painting, I think it was also in my grandmother's house, and, but I also remember being raised with it because it was in basically every parlor there was in every United Methodist church. And so here's another picture of Jesus. You remember that one? Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane praying. He looks so... Well, kind of an awe, um, stoic, there's the halo. And, but I'm not quite sure if that really kind of depicted what was really going on that night. 
If you watch the Passion of Christ and Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's rendering of what happened to Jesus, I remember, you know, Jesus um, laying out on the ground, um, just, just completely, almost in misery. As he, oh, we get this detail in the gospel that when Jesus was praying, he literally was had so much anxiety. Um, it was as if he had drops of blood coming out of his pores. So you have that image, which is a little different from the image that we had in every parlor, you know, United Methodism. There's a little difference. And then I was thinking about this last week about all these different ideas of prayer. And so my, my wife, who's actually preaching right now, at, um, she has two small churches down near uh, Brooksville. Um, she preaches at uh, New Hope and... Um, um, I can't remember the other one, but she's got two. And so, um, and so she asked her congregation uh, to uh, write down a prayer. And then she gave me all her prayer requests and these little, well, wrote them all on a little piece of paper. And so I went to the Holy Land. I went to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. The Western Wall is one of the holiest places for the Jewish people, and it's the, it's the existing wall that's still standing after thousands and thousands of years. And people go there, literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people go there every year, and they pray because it's really holy. It's a hallowed place. So I took all those little prayer requests that Donna had given me from her two churches, and I went and had a prayer over them. In fact, I got a picture, and this is what I did. I took all of them together, and I wedged them into the... Of the, uh, and that wall, and this is what you do. You take these prayer petitions, and, and so I, I wedged them there in the wall. By the way, the, the time of my sermon today is prayer that's wedged in our heart. And, and so when I think about the Lord's Prayer, what I, I loved about doing, having the opportunity to do that, I actually took a little video. I wedged all those prayers. I had a prayer over all those prayers, and, and so Donna was very excited to be able to go back and show the pictures to her congregation, say, you know, Harold actually prayed over this, and this is a really big deal. And then um, what's also very interesting, I was in the, the way that we conclude our Holy Land trip this last year, where you go to the, um, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, it's the, the, the Garden Tomb, and I mentioned this last week, and so we have a little devotion there, we have Holy Communion, and the last thing that we did, the last thing that we did, we recited and prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Wow. And as you're walking through that particular garden, and by the way, as my friend Mike Tahan shared with me, he says, Harold, I want you to know that you're standing in the center of the center of the world. And so we're in, I was walking through the garden, I, I took this little picture of this other little sign that was in the garden that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we continue to pray for peace in the world, and we continue to pray for peace in Ukraine, don't we? I was thinking about, you know, once again, this, this idea of, of praying together and the sense of being connected together and the idea of what does prayer mean to us in our daily lives. And I started thinking about Jesus and his prayer life. And I have this other picture. You know, I, I, I think that when there are places in the Bible where it talks about how Jesus went up and he went up to the mountain and prayed, he literally, I really believed he actually did that. Matter of fact, you think, and here's a picture of well, one of the mountains around the Sea of Galilee. This is called Mount Arbel. And I think, I really believe that Jesus had to go up there. Make it so it's a pretty good hike up there. Actually, I have hiked it. But Jesus went up there. I had to believe that he prayed. 
Prayer was woven into the very fabric of Jesus' life, and I think that prayer was really a big deal to Jesus as we finally look at the teachings of Christ, how important it was in the life of Jesus, and when the, rat, when the, teacher, when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. So he gives us the Lord prayer. How do we know that? Well, go back and look at the life of Christ. If you go back and think about all the different places over and over and over again, how important prayer was to Jesus. For example, we know that Jesus went, um, well, he prayed before he took the fish and he had the bread and he fed 5,000, right? But before he did that, what did he do? He prayed. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he do? He prayed. When he was at the Last Supper, what did Jesus do? He he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread, but he, he blessed it. He prayed. I shared with you all last week about the different places I think, you know, um, when I talked about the breath of God and about Yahweh and about how, you know, our first breath and our last breath really is when we have on our lips, we really are professing in the name of God. And, and so well, I think that the I mentioned, I think there are three places that literally Jesus has had his breath taken away. One was, and I think he had to pray when he was down that pit at Caiaphas' house, as I shared with you all last, uh, last week at Easter sermon. I think when he was down there, I literally think he was continued to pray the, the Psalm 88. I also think that the other place that Jesus took his breath away when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, within a shadow of doubt, I, I, you know, he told his disciples, he told Pete, James, and John, hey, listen, go over there and pray. And so they prayed and they fell asleep. And he came back another time and says, what, you guys are falling asleep on me. I need you for you to pray, right? And so we know that Jesus went back and this is where he was literally sweating drops of blood and we know that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I think his breath was taken away there. And I think the other thing, you know where else Jesus prayed? He prayed on the cross over and over again. There was a place in which, you know, you think about it, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What's he doing? He's praying. We also have in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, we have two different ways. We know that in Luke, Jesus says, and he breathed this last, but when he breathed this last, he says, I commend my spirit. He's praying, I commend my spirit to you, Lord. And in Matthew and Mark, we have, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He doesn't say it once, as I shared with you last week, he says it twice. So we have that. We, we know that when... Um, when uh, Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus, um, and, Nathan- and Philip says, I found the Lord, and Nathaniel, he says, well, who is it? And he says, well, Jesus from Nazareth. And of course, what does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth, right? You all know that? And what's interesting about it, if you go back and look at the story, why did Jesus chose him? Out of all the places and all the, I mean, all the people he could have chose. And when, Nathan, when Nathaniel goes back to Jesus and says, hey, listen, why, you pick, why, why do you want me to come follow you? And he says, well, I saw you under the fig tree praying, which was a part of the Jewish tradition. It was the opposite of what Jesus talks about when he says, when the Gentiles come, don't pray. Like, you know, make, draw attention to yourself. He, listen, go to a quiet place and pray and be reverent. It's not about drawing attention to yourself. It's about drawing attention to your relationship with God. And for some reason, that really struck a chord with Jesus in choosing Nathaniel to be one of his disciples because he saw him in the back of his house, evidently underneath a fig tree, and he chose him because of that, because of his devotion to prayer. And it wasn't about all about him. It was about his relationship with God. 
And Jesus says, I want that guy on my team. Prayer. So when I think about this, I, I think it's really, really important about the idea we think about Jesus Christ and how, how we pray. I love this, con- I didn't have a chance to talk about this last, ne- last night, but I, I love this conversation. And I think I shared with you about five or six years ago that Mother Teresa had with Dan Rather one day about prayer. So Dan Rather was interviewing Mother Teresa and he asked Mother Teresa, he says, Mother Teresa, um, what, is it, um, what is it you say to to God when you pray. And then she said, well, I listen. And then Dan turned the question and asked, well, then what does God say to you, Mother Teresa? And Mother Teresa smiled and said in confidence and says, he listens. (laughs) And then Dan rather didn't really know how to respond. He was perplexed because that's all she said. And then she goes on to tell Dan rather, And if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. (laughs) Prayer. Oh, how we pray. Oh, how we pray. This is last week. Um, Let me give you a couple examples about the importance of prayer in our lives. So my dear friend, uh, Barry Greer, called me up about a week and a half ago. Barry is one of my dearest friends. I've known him for most 20 years. And... um, Matter of fact, uh, one of his, um, uh, this has been part of his life. I remember um, his son, Brett, um, when uh, this goes back, actually about 18, 20 years ago when he was at my church and uh, Brett had got married and he had a a beautiful little child and the child died. So I did that memorial service for that grandchild of his. That was a hard one. Matter of fact, to this day at that church, there's a little palm planted. It's what they call a teddy bear palm and I'll never forget planting that palm for that child. So then um, a few years later, um, Barry um, calls me up and says, Harold, I'm, I'm struggling. I said, what's going on, Barry? And he says, well, my son Todd, I knew Todd very well. He took his own life. So I'm, I buried Todd. So about a week and a half, well, a couple of weeks ago, Barry calls me and says, Harold, what's, I said, uh, Barry, what's going on? He says, I need for you to pray. I said, what am I praying about? And he says, my son Brett, he's already had cancer. His cancer's come back. And he's in intensive care, and we don't think he's going to make it. So I pray for Barry and for Brett and his beautiful family. He's, he is remarried, and he has three beautiful children. One's 15, one is 12, and one's 10. So I prayed for healing for Brett. And he died. So we're going to have another memorial service for, you know, you're not supposed to outlive your children. But not only he's outlived some of his grandchildren, but he's outlived two of his sons. He only has three children. He's down, he has one daughter left. Uh, what's also interesting about know, a couple of weeks ago, my friend Cindy uh, um, and Jeff were here last night. They actually went to my church at Faith, and we, um, they came to worship with us. They, they drove all the way up here to hear a wonderful sermon. I'm just kidding. And so they, they drove, um, they came up. They went, by the way, they are looking at retire in the next year or two, and can you imagine, they thinking they might move to the villages and retire. Can you imagine that? So they're checking, they came to worship last night, and they're actually checking out the villages. So I hope they'll come and be a part of our church. So Cindy calls me up a couple of weeks ago, and she says, Harold, um, our friend Kelly Adair, she says, I need for you to pray for us. I said, what's going on, Kelly? Well, she's got the cancer. Once again, just like Brett, the cancer came back. Kelly and I were um, worked together to be able to start a preschool at Faith United Methodist Church, and it's still going. And literally hundreds and thousands of children have gone through that program. 
And they've learned, it's a, since it's a private in the part of the United Methodist Church, they've learned not only about their ABCs and about their colors, but they've learned something about Jesus Christ. So Kelly and I started the preschool together. And so Cindy calls me out, she says, can you pray for Kelly? So I'm gonna go see her in about an hour or so. And I said, call me when you get there and put the phone up to her ear and I will pray for her. So she calls me, sure enough, and I, I pray for Kelly. She couldn't talk. By the way, our quilt ministry actually made a beautiful quilt for her. And Cindy sent me a beautiful picture of her wrapped in that quilt. And about, I don't know, they just, well, about a week or so later, she died. As a matter of fact, they did the memorial service for my dear friend Kelly yesterday morning. So what's interesting is that I had prayed, and oh, how we pray, right? We pray and we pray and we pray, and sometimes we, we get the answer that we're looking for in life, and then sometimes we're, God doesn't answer the prayer in which we had hoped that God would answer. But I think one of the most important things that we learned from Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane that night when he prayed, and he, he wasn't like the stoic Jesus with the halo, but I think that Jesus was laid out. I think Jesus was just broken and searching and asking, Lord, if there's any other way to let this cup pass from me. And then he says, thy will be done, not my will. So we continue to cling that in our hope when we pray our prayers to the Lord. Thy will be done, Lord. Sometimes God answers our prayers the way that we hope, and sometimes God doesn't. But thy will be done. So yesterday I was running, and um, um, we, um, my, one of my neighbors who moved in about, I don't know, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, I would encourage you, if you don't know your neighbors, get to know your neighbors and continue to invite them to come. If they don't know Jesus and they have no church, invite them to come to this church because this is a great church. And we believe in Jesus Christ because he is the son of the living God. Come amen on that. Okay, so um, uh, my neighbor moved in um, um, about nine months ago, and you know how it is when you're neighbors. Sometimes you, you, you get to know them. I'm, I see everybody, you know, and I, I happen to strike a conversation one day and find out a little bit of his life. And so anyway, so I run by and I see him on a regular basis. About a month or so ago, I see John out in the front yard. I said, John, hey, how you doing? He says, I'm not doing so good, Harold. I said, what's going on, John? He says, my granddaughter, Evelyn, She's not doing well. She's a brand new little baby. She's only like, I don't know, three or four months old. She's got some serious respiratory problems. She's in the intensive care unit at a children's hospital in Orlando. And he says, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my granddaughter? Because I told him I was a pastor. And so, you know what? I, I literally just stood right there in the street. I put my arm around him, and we prayed for Evelyn that day. And so every day I would continue to ask him, I said, how's Evelyn doing? He says, well, Harold, she's hanging in there. And um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, we're just continuing to pray. And I said, I, I want you to know, John, I'm praying for your granddaughter. I want you to know that I, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm praying for your granddaughter. I want you to know when I wake up in the morning, when I'm on my knees, the first thing I do, I've been praying for your granddaughter. I said, I have been on my knees praying for your granddaughter. He says, Harold, thank you so much. So I went to the prayer quilt, our prayers and squares ladies, and I said, can you please make a quilt for, for little baby Evelyn? So they made this beautiful little quilt for her and it had little duckies on it. And you all prayed for her with this little prayer quilt. Matter of fact, I think we got a picture of Evelyn holding the knots of what you prayed over for that quilt for that child. 
So I went down and handed the quilt to Evelyn's grandparents. And when I handed the quilt over them, and I said, I just want you to know, there's a church that loves you. You don't know who they are, but they love you. And they love your granddaughter. And I want you to know that each one of these little knots represents someone praying for your granddaughter. And so I handed him the quilt. And then she said, the grandmother said to me, she says, Harold, I want you to know if God spares my granddaughter's life, I promise the Lord she will know him. She will know him. So about a week ago, John shows up the door. This is what he's carrying. Evelyn. Oh, it gets better. Because last night, her family sat right over there. They all came to church last night. And John was so happy when I was talking about telling the story about Evelyn, he held her up so everybody could see her. Wow, what an answer to prayer. And the reason why I tell you those three different stories, there's just three different scenarios in life that happened to me over the last few months. There is such power in the power of prayer. And Jesus encourages us to pray, right? It was a part in the very woven, the very fabric of his life. And sometimes we, we get the prayer, we get the answer that, we, that we're seeking, and sometimes we don't always get it. We would continue to have faith in the promises of Almighty God that thy will be done. And we don't always understand the great mystery of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you the Holy Spirit continues to lay, reign, and he's alive here today. And we continue to have faith in him. So hope that we have in the Lord's Prayer. The rabbi, well, once upon a time, this disciple said, Jesus teaches how to pray, and Jesus says, well, I'll tell you exactly how to pray. Here's how you pray. You know, it's interesting, if you go back and look at the prayer, um, there are some basics when it comes to prayer life, and, and we all, basically, we know the basics to our prayer life, but maybe we haven't all actually kind of put them in categories, but this is how we normally pray. Usually when we start a prayer, we talk about being thankful to God. And then usually there's some point in the prayer that we ask maybe for some forgiveness from God. And then there's a place in the prayer where we maybe ask that there's some kind of connection that maybe God can help me in some form or fashion. And then there's some way in the prayer that we might pray that maybe God can use us. So those are kind of the basic categories that we have when it comes to prayer in our prayer life. So I, I, let me just share this quick little story with you because it really does has everything to do with my, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the first phrase that we have in the Lord's Prayer. So on Wednesday, um, we had devotions and so um, uh, Kelly, who's our new assistant manager there um, at Bargains and Blessings, um, came in and she had a visual aid for us. And she basically shared with us this story that happened on Wednesday morning. She said there was a homeless person who had come across the railroad tracks to um, our Bargains and Blessings store, but he didn't come into the store. He went to the garbage dumpster. And he was looking, kind of pilfering through the garbage. And so one of our volunteers went out and greeted him and said, hey, can I help you? 
And he says, well, I was just looking for a pair of shoes. And she said, well, you know, and then um, meanwhile, my friend Clint, evidently, he had gone out there and he began to talk to him about shoes and so forth. And so the next thing you know, um, they asked what size he wore. He said he wore a 10 and a half. And so what's interesting, so they went into the store and they didn't get him a pair of shoes, but they got him three pairs of shoes. And they put him in a tote bag. And so here's my visual aid this morning. And um, this is, these are the shoes that the gentleman was wearing that he had come, but he didn't ask for any shoes. He was just looking for a pair of shoes in the garbage. But these were his shoes. Yeah. He just wanted another pair of shoes. So we gave him some shoes. We put him in a tote bag. And, and they also, not only did they give him a pair of shoes, or three pairs of shoes, but they also gave him like three or four shirts. But you know what's interesting about this gentleman? He, he was very humble, evidently. He didn't even come asking for the shoes. So they gave him four shirts, and he goes, I don't really need four shirts. I'll just take one shirt. Wow. See, here, here's my point about that. I, I really believe that when it comes to... Um, Thy, um, uh, our Father who art in heaven. I think when it comes to answering prayer, I think that God answers prayers, and a lot of times God answers prayers through us. I think that when we pray our prayer, Lord, we, I thank you. I think when we pray our prayer about forgiveness, I think that when we pray our, our prayer, God, can you help me or help my children or help, our, help my grandchildren or help a little child named Evelyn who's just grasping for life? Can you heal her word? And I think there's a place in the prayer, God, can you just use me? And I think of the part of our prayer life, I think that God uses us sometimes to answer prayers. And I think that's a great example. You know, when Jesus prayed our fire, I think, and here, let me just teach for a second and I'll wrap this up. So, um, you know what's interesting of the choice of words Jesus uses when, the, when they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. In both of those prayers, he talks about our Father, and what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't use those words about me or mine or my. Jesus uses the word our, which refers to we and us, which really tells us that, that God, the, the God that we believe is all inclusive of all people, that he loves all people unconditionally. I think that's just brilliant when Jesus opened his prayer up and he said he didn't say my father. He said, if anybody had the right to say my father, it would have been Jesus Christ. But he doesn't say that. He says, our father. You know, I think it's so powerful. Once again, you know, about I was thinking about this this last week. I was up here and we had a panel discussion in the middle of um, um, all the racial tension that was going on in our country a couple of years ago. And we had this panel discussion, and we had, we had white pastors up here, and we had black pastors up here. We had um, a, a black um, school teacher up here who was also a pastor. We had police officers up here, and so we just did this panel discussion. And in the midst of that conversation, I said this. I said, you know what it seems to me is that we're just all children of God. And I think when Jesus talks about our Father, I think he's saying we're all children of God. And that we aren't, Jesus is never exclusive, but he's always inclusive of all people. I love that about Jesus. The power of those words, our Father. 
And what's very powerful, when you think about Father, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, Jesus talked about that, the, the importance of having this Father that really loves us unconditionally. And I love the way that John phrases our relationship with our Father, because he says, God is love. Did you get that? That God is love. So I'm walking down the Via Della Rosa a couple of weeks ago, and I was walking through, and we're looking at all the stations of the cross, and I, this particular just kind of hit me. And um, can you see that? Show me that picture where God is love. This is the picture I took on the Via Della Rosa. It's written in English. It's written in um, Aramaic, and it's written in Hebrew. And I thought, wow, such is the kingdom of God, that God loves everybody. Our Father, who art in heaven, What's interesting, the word there, heaven, is um, in the Greek, it's also connected to, once again, um, the, the depiction of heaven is very powerful. Um, can you show that last, one of those last slides where I have the diagram of heaven? So this is, I found this, did you realize that in first century, their idea of heaven and hell, this is basically what people believe. So they believed that the earth was the center of the universe, and then they believed there were waters below, and there were waters above, and they believed that there were like, at some point, that they would open up the windows of heaven, the rain would come down, and that above that, there was heaven. So you had the uh, you had the heaven, the highest heaven, and then you had hell below, and you had the earth. And what's very interesting, that you look back at the first century, Jesus is referring to the idea of heaven had to do with the atmosphere. It had to do with wind. It had to do with air. So the idea of heaven actually was the idea it surrounded the earth and it had to do with as close as the air that we breathe. The God and the idea of heaven is connected to us that as close as the, as the air that we breathe, the connection, the idea that we breathe in, the idea that God, our Father, the first breath that we take and the last breath that we take in life, and we have the name of Yahweh in our lips, but it also has to do with the air that we breathe that's connected to heaven. So the idea that heaven is connected with us and all around us, all the time, that God is close as the air that we breathe, but we also have this beautiful place in which we could go and live, as Jesus defines it, in my Father's house there, I prepared many rooms. And I got one prepared for you. Can I amen on that? So the idea, the idea of heaven is all around us, is as close as the air we breathe, but he's also, this, there's this beautiful place that God's prepared for us to go and live with him forever and ever and ever. Wow. So we have the idea of heaven. And the last part of this first phrase, our Father. Can you just say with me, our Father who art in heaven. Um, and we just sing about that. And what does hallowed mean? Hallowed means to be set apart. How holy is God's name? Matter of fact, there are very few times that we find, I think it was in 86 times in the gospel of Matthew, the idea of heaven's mentioned. Heaven is a really big deal to Matthew. But there's only six times the word Jesus uses the word Father because it was so sacred. How holy God's holy name is. It's hallowed. It's set apart. And so what I think is really powerful for us to think about, all this today in our prayer life, how close God really is as we continue to walk with him in our daily journey. Hallowed. Holy. This is a holy place. We have a holy sanctuary. This is holy ground, right? And so here's the one I'll close with you all to think about tonight, or this morning, and I think this is really important. 
So the other day, on Wednesday morning, there was a homeless person who shows up at the Parkinson's and Blessings dumpster. So a volunteer goes over and says, hey, can I help you? So he walks in, and he has these old ratty shoes, these, these shoes that, I mean, they're really, I mean, they are really worn out. So I mentioned my friend Clint, who's a part of our Parkinson's Blessings helping, helping Hands team. He goes over and says, hey, what size shoe do you wear? And he says, why well, wear a 10 and a half? And the way I understand the story, I wasn't there, but this is what was explained to me. Clint says, well, I'll give you my shoes. And then the volunteer says, well, you know, Clint, you don't have to give me shoes. We can go find some shoes for him. So they went and found these shoes for him, not only one, but they found three different pairs. So here's my thought. I think that Clint did a really wonderful job of living at the vision that we're called to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus Christ. I mean, would you give him your shoes? Here's the next thought. If that guy shows up, I bet you that Clint would not only offer his shoes, but I bet you Clint would be willing to wash his feet. So I'm asking you, would you wash that guy's feet? So literally, would we know on Wednesday morning, I don't know what time it was, maybe eight or nine o'clock, around a dumpster at a United Methodist thrift store, that there would be a couple of people around a homeless person who walked in with those shoes. And to me, when I think about that, around a dumpster, that's hallowed ground. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. How holy is your name? As God uses you, and God uses me, and God uses our church to exemplify Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen.